John W. Henry. The Rays are really going to luck themselves into 162-0. If you don't blame Babbitt for that seven-run inning, you don't know ball. I'm not even mad about this series. The Rays have shoe horses up their asses right now. Five and eight isn't good. We all get that. But y'all act like this is the team we'll have to root for all season. We won't. Also, for the love of God, people need to get over April records. If they were five and eight during mid-August, you wouldn't say shit. Nationals went 19 and 31 in the first 50 games of 2019. Red Sox fans need to chill. Yo, this organization has won the most championships this century. Jesus Christ. I don't even think John Henry, that creepy weirdo, that cheap fuck who's responsible for this, would believe what we just heard from that intro. No, no, that can only come from the delusional, the demented mind of the most hardcore, the most bitter ender, the most delusional. I think I already said delusional, but you got the point of the Illuminati. So literally for that intro, I copied and pasted some tweets. I made a couple of minor edits just, you know, for clarity. But yeah, so this came from one person on Twitter having a real one after this fucking beatdown that the Red Sox had at the hand of the Tampa Bay Rays this uh, week. You know, trying to justify this, trying to say that Haim has a vision. This is the team we're going to root for all year. Because, you know, if I went through some of the other replies from this account, they're blaming this on injuries. They blame last year on injuries. But here's the thing. When you sign players that are hurt, sign players that are injury prone, and they get hurt, you can't blame injuries. It's like buying a car that's a lemon that you know is a lemon, but it's cheap and you buy it anyway and it breaks down. It's like buying an old beater because you don't want a car payment and then blaming bad luck because your car broke down. No, you get what you paid for. My late grandfather, who you know was one of the people responsible for me being a Red Sox fan, he had a saying, and it's true. You only get shit from an asshole. When you sign guys who are old, hurt, old and hurt, you can't piss, moan, make excuses. When guys who are old and hurt perform like they're old or get hurt, that is not how it works. You cannot play both sides of the fence. You get what you pay for, and the Red Sox haven't paid the going rate for high-end talent, with the notable exception of Raphael Devers, for too long, and that's why this team blows. That's why I've been telling you this team will blow for 16 going on 17 episodes. <sighs> you know, I don't let these people get to me. Uh, I really don't. But I, I did get on, on uh, a little bit of a tangent there. So, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 17 of the Fenway on Fire podcast. You know, I don't follow these people. I have a private list of the Illuminati, And, you know, there might be a couple, there's a couple on there that are wavering. You're actually getting a little bit of reality from. So maybe I was a little harsh putting them on this list. But there's a couple people. Jesus fucking Christ. They just live in their fucking fantasy land where what we've watched all season, not even the race series, all season, because I'm going to break down every game since the last show. They're going to act like that this is okay, that the product that's, that's being put on the field is in any way acceptable for a big market team. No, this isn't even acceptable for the fucking Fred Wilpon Mets, okay? Jesus fucking Christ. So this week's beverage of the day is Backbeat Brewing Company's background vocal. So this one is only available in the tap room, I believe. I think uh, they've done a couple of runs of cans, but those cans are available at the tap room. So it's right across from Beverly Depot. Uh, we have four really great breweries here in Beverly. Uh, Backbeat. These days I probably go to the most, but I try to, you know, go, go to all of them as much as I can, which, you know, these days, you know, hasn't been maybe as much as I'd like, but it was a beautiful day today. I watched the Red Sox, you know, complete, you know, getting swept in Tampa, you know, basically handing the Rays a major league record. And after watching the loss, you know, listening to some sports radio, the Tony Mez baseball hour, you know, I needed some, some some kind of fuel to the fire, if you will. I needed to process what I've watched this week. 
Um, I made I made the walk down to the tap room. Beautiful day. So a nice, light, refreshing blonde ale hit the spot. You know, nice. It's got a nice hot flavor, but without being hoppy like a IPA or even a pale ale. So easy to drink, but it's got a little bit of that modern hop flavor. So it's one I can recommend to everyone. Check that out. Um, they also Backbeat also has um, an IPA um, in the groove in cans. It's a little bit more easy to find um, in stores, kind of in the, in the Beverly area. So check that out. Uh, also check out the Fenway on Fire blog. So part of this, um, you know, Spotify podcasters, Anchor, whatever the hell they're calling it this week, um, you get a free WordPress website. It's free. I set it up. What the hell? Um I did actually write a standalone blog post earlier this week. So I don't know how often I'm actually just going to write, you know, articles or posts on the blog. Uh, but I think it's a good kind of dumping ground because, like, I have the Fenway and Fire pace, Facebook page where I'll, I'll write stuff. Uh, but for stuff that's too long for, like, a social media post or, like, a, you know, on Facebook or a tweet, but not long enough for, like, an emergency episode to where I got to set up the microphones and record and all that bullshit for kind of like stuff in that middle, you know, the blog will be a good place for that. So it is um, Fenway on fire podcast.wordpress.com. I will link to that in the show notes. I did have a post uh, earlier this week. So check that out. Uh, ease and O's. I'm not going to go over ease and O's from last week's episode. I'm just going to apologize and say last week's episode was not good. Uh, as soon as I finished recording, I knew, I knew it wasn't up to par, you know, really it was piss poor planning preventing or not preventing piss poor performance. I didn't really have a format in mind. I didn't know what I wanted to do to actually break down the games. You know, the off season's easy stuff would happen. I'd just make some notes and I'd talk about it. So what I did uh, over the course of last week is I have notes for each Red Sox game, uh, a couple other, you know, wider bullet points that we'll talk about. And I think that's how we're going to go the rest of the season. Maybe take a quick cursory look over the rest of the league. Uh, but I think we have, Plenty of grist in the mill, just kind of focusing on the Red Sox. Um, so this race series was a debacle. Uh, the roster they put out was an embarrassment. Um, you know, it, you know, I'm just waiting, waiting for High and Bloom to get fired. But the problem I have is, or that we have as Red Sox fans, is just firing High and Bloom isn't going to be enough. Uh, there's no quick answers anymore. There's no core of a good team. Basically, it's Raphael Devers surrounded by a bunch of crap. Um, you know, if you, you want to supplement Raphael Devers in free agency, let's say, you know, John Henry wakes up on the right side of the bed and realizes, oh, shit, I have to actually invest in my team. If I want my team to not be an embarrassment, I need to get good baseball players, and good baseball players cost money. If he kind of realizes that again, well, this, this offseason free agent class is not – nearly as good as last year's not as good as the year before so you have the red sox who basically since dave dombrowski left have more or less sat out free agency okay they got trevor story at the last minute uh because you know they let kyle schwarber go they knew the lineup wasn't good enough yeah they made a half-assed attempt to compete last year so they signed trevor story even though he was hurt and that was the other reason why they signed him he was hurt so that made him cheap um relative to um the other shortstops on the market but other than that, the Red Sox have not been in on any of the big ticket free agents. If you want to count their half-assed attempt to bring back Xander Bogarts in free agency, fine. But then after they lost Bogarts, they made no attempt to get any representative major league shortstop. So this fucking team, they lose Bogarts. And then, all right, so Story realized, okay, I got to get ready to play shortstop. His elbow blows up. So, okay, so your plan B at shortstop is hurt. So what does High and Bloom do with his injured shortstop to, to add depth? Trades for another injured shortstop in Alberto Mondesi because he was cheap. He only cost Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor wasn't good enough to make the Royals. Okay, you didn't give up a lot for Alberto Mondesi, but he's on the 60-day IL. You need a shortstop now. You need help now. Where is the urgency? There is none over on Jersey Street. So that is why this team is eight games out of first. So. If we want to start with the good and, you know, try to polish this turd, uh, they did sweep the Tigers since last week's show. Last Friday, uh, Chris Sale started against the Tigers. I thought he looked horrible. Uh, he did get the win. So, you know, 
Again, for, for turd polishing, yay, Sale. He got his first win since 2021. Uh, but he let off the game throwing eight balls in a row. His control was not very good. Um, his fastball was sitting at 91. He was throwing a lot of sliders. Uh, both this game and then the game uh, against the Rays where he pitched. Out of all of his pitches, the slider kind of flirts with being a decent major league pitch more than anything else he has. But the stuff is down across the board. The control is down across the board. He does not look good at all. If he had pitched the way he pitched on Friday against a good major league lineup, and that's my one takeaway from that Detroit series, is my God, that team's fucking horrible. Uh, he would have got abused, and, and we saw five days later what happened. So he left with a three-run lead after five. You know, in theory, you know, you have a guy who's making $29 million. He has a low pitch count after five innings. You know, you try to get more out of him to, you know, save the bullpen. But Cora just wanted to get him the hell out of there, quit while he was ahead. So that's what they did. They won on Friday. Saturday, the eighth against the Tigers. Um, <laughs> so going into that game, I was down because Tanner Houck was starting. Um, draft, you no, know, FanDuel um, had a profit boost. So I bet the Tigers were the 25% profit boost. Um, and then uh, the, the kid who started for the Tigers went. In my notes, I have him down as Carson Wentz because he, he was as much of a piece of shit as Carson Wentz was uh, last year for the Washington Commanders in the NFL. So this guy was so horrible. He walked Connor Wong and Rob Refsnyder to load the bases. Connor Wong is hitting well under 200. He's a fringe Major League Baseball player. Um, if, if you want to say the Red Sox should have put Alfaro on the team instead of Connor Wong. Okay, we're arguing over which piece of crap is slightly better than the other one. But yeah, so you're walking Connor Wong and Rob Refsnyder. Well, I like Rob Refsnyder. He gives you a good at bat, a little less shame in walking him. But you walk those two guys in front of Raphael Devers, and then Devers hits a grand slam. So just goes to show you how horrible that Detroit franchise is. And my fear is that is where the Red Sox are headed because that's what a failed rebuild looks like. And this rebuild that the Red Sox refuse to admit is a rebuild is by all indications failing right now. Uh, Hauk, I was a little bit encouraged by him. He actually got a strikeout on his split-fingered fastball, his split. So that's his third pitch. He's going to need to attack lefties if he has any hope of being a viable major league starter. But again, Cora pulled Hauk after five innings and only 72 pitches. So we know Hauk's issues going deep into games, facing lineup a third time are well documented, but Hauk had a lead. The Red Sox had a lead. How is he ever going to learn how to go deep in games if you don't give him the chance? So I did not like that out of Alex Cora on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you know, they gave up a run early in that game. Kike, you know, had what should have been his sixth error of the season that led to a run. Um, Cutter Crawford looked pretty good in that game. He got a quick hook after five. Um, but of course the big takeaway from the Sunday game was Adam Duvall, who apparently is the Willie Mays of this team because without him, there's just no right-handed power at all. So earlier in the season or before when I did my season preview, I told you how much this team needed more better right-handed hitting. And I told you how imperative it was that Trevor story came back. Well, not only is Trevor Story not back, obviously, but now Adam Duvall is gone. So this team has no right-handed hitting, really, to speak of at all. You have Justin Turner, who, okay, he had a couple hits, you know, in the Tampa series towards the end, so maybe he's showing you a little sign of life. And Enrique Hernandez, who just got, you know, broke out of an 0 for 28. But those are your two best right-handed hitters. Think about that. Think how horrible that is. This is an organization that drafted and developed Mookie Betts. That, dra that signed Xander Bogarts out of Aruba. Two of the best right-handed hitters at their positions. Buki Betts traded for Alex Verdugo and, a, and two guys, you know, a backup catcher and a guy you DFA'd. And then Xander Bogarts, who you let leave for nothing. So just appreciate that irony. You have a team bereft of right-handed hitting that drafted or in developed or signed and developed two of the premier right-handed bats of their position, let them leave, and look at them now. So the Red Sox have made their bed. They're sleeping in it. And, you know, us fans, we're the ones who suffer due to John Henry being a cheap fuck and Hyam Bloom being a clueless moron.
So the big takeaway coming out of that Detroit series was the injury to Adam Duvall, uh, the fracture, broken wrist, wherever you hell you want to call it. We don't have an ETA yet from the team. Uh, all we know is that supposedly he's not going to need surgery. In my mind, he's out at least eight weeks, eight to 12, if I had to guess, based on the severity of the injury. And wrist injuries are, are nasty because, I mean, you're a hitter, especially, you know, that's that's where your quickness comes from, your power comes from. You know, if that thing's in a cast, you got to strengthen that arm again. So it's not a good injury to have. I mean, he might come back in, you know, 10 weeks and, and it might not be the same. But the fact is, Adam Duvall, he's a good player. You know, he's a, you know, a two to three win guy. You know, he's he's the guy. He, the Braves got him at the deadline two years ago. He was a, you know, that's the type of player he is. You know, on a championship team, he's the, he's a guy who hits seven that gives you a little bit of pop in the bottom of the lineup. You know, I I can't take away what he how he performed before the injury. You know, where would this team have been without him? Well, we've seen the last four days what they are without him. But he was never going to keep that up. You know, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, steroid Barry Bonds wouldn't have kept up that production. So he was always going to come back to earth. But just the fact that you know you lose one guy like that, you know not a core guy, a guy you have on a one-year deal. You know, you're playing, you know, Q after you lost Xander Bogarts. He, who he leaves, and this is what we turn into. So Monday night, we had Enrique Hernandez in the middle of his, you know, 0 for 28 slump leading off, and Rob Ref Snyder hitting fifth. And again, I like Rob Ref Snyder. He is a good fourth outfielder, good platoon guy. He hits lefties. He gives you a little bit of pop. But let me ask you this. This is this would be like if this was, you know, 2003, 2004, 2005. Could you ever imagine Gabe Kapler hitting fifth or, you know, Johnny Gomes hitting fifth? No, because those teams had actual talent and this team blows. So they lost that game Monday, one to nothing. You know, Nick Pavetta actually pitched really well. He's pitching like a guy who was worried about losing his spot in the rotation. But again, Cora pulled him after five innings with a low pitch count. So at some point, I know this is the modern game. I know that, you know, the days of pitchers throwing, you know, 10, 12, 20 complete games are over. You know, it's all about the bullpen now. But we we are 13 games into the season. Guess how many pitches a Red Sox starter has thrown in the sixth? Not the eighth, not the seventh, but the sixth inning. Zero. 13 games, so call that two and a half times through the rotation. We have not seen a Red Sox pitcher, a Red Sox starting pitcher, throw a single pitch in the sixth inning. That's embarrassing. That is pathetic. And, you know, part of it might be Cora and maybe the training staff just kind of, you know, coddling these guys a little too much, not ramping them up enough in the spring so they're ready to go the first week of the season, give you some length. But also... This is a franchise, the Boston Red Sox, worth $4.5 billion, the second or third most valuable franchise in Major League Baseball, according to Forbes, you know, an estimated $70 million in profit last year that has not signed a starting pitcher, a free agent starting pitcher, to a multi-year contract since Nate Evaldi in 2019. So High and Bloom, in his entire time as the Red Sox general manager, when he's gone into free agency to supplement this rotation, it's just been one old or hurt or old and hurt guy after the next on a one year, a one year with an option type deal. The James Paxton's, the Garrett Richards, the Michael Walker, who was decent, the Rich Hill, who, you know, ate some innings. And this year, Corey Kluber throwing, you know, 87 miles an hour. So the refusal to invest in the rotation, hell. You could have kept Eduardo Rodriguez when he hit free agency. He's not making, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a lot of money. You made zero effort to keep him. So eventually, this is something to keep an eye on long term because the bullpen has been pretty good. But unless they get some length once in a while from somebody at a starting rotation, this bullpen is going to slowly decay and get worse from overuse. So Monday, they lost one nothing. Um, it was Chris Martin who gave up the home run in the eighth. Um, and then on Tuesday, actually, no. Yeah. So, uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, uh, he came in and he pitched in that game. So thing about Bobby Dahlbeck, and we're going to talk plenty about him is 
you know, I have a joke going with with my cousin, you know, the the repackaging of Bobby Dahlbeck. So it's almost like the the metaphor we made is a WWE superstar pro wrestler. So every once in a while, if you're not a fan of pro wrestling, you know, these guys have a gimmick or character. And if this character doesn't get, become popular with the crowd or doesn't get a reaction from the crowd, doesn't get over, as they say in pro wrestling, sometimes what they'll do is if if they think the wrestler is good, but maybe that character wasn't the right character, they'll repackage them. So this 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 wrestler will kind of go away for a while. They'll come up with a new character. They'll change their look. They'll do something different, and then they'll bring them back. They'll repackage them. So <laughs> this is kind of like what the Red Sox have done with Bobby Dahlbeck, because usually when a pro wrestler gets repackaged, they change the look. Yeah, Bobby Dahlbeck coming back with the glasses. Uh, you know, they have Bobby Dahlbeck, you know, playing second base and shortstop. He's a utility infielder now, supposedly. He's like a taller right-handed Brock Holt, except, you know, Brock Holt could, you know, hit. <laughs> and usually, you know, especially WWE in recent years, you know, when they repack someone, they'll change the name. For a long time, they used to get, you know, when they would, you know, tweak somebody's character, they would just give them one name. Or, like, if their original character had, like, a first name and a last name, they would just have the last name. So, you know, with Bobby Dahlbeck now, you can just call him Dahlbeck, the utility infielder. With those glasses, he looks like, you know, one of those utility infielders, you know, when I started first started watching baseball, like, in the 80s. Yeah, there was, like, a handful of guys in Major League Baseball, you know, who played in glasses. You don't see it anymore. But now we have Dahlbeck, the utility infielder. It's like he's trying to play the part of a utility infielder with the glasses, except he's, you know, 6'4", 235. So we got the return of Dahlbeck. Actually, on Monday, he started at first base, and then um, it was later on in the series where they, they, they played him at shortstop. And we know how that went. So they lost Monday, one nothing. Um, Tuesday in Tampa, there was a milestone for the Red Sox. If You, you might have missed this. might have been off your radar, but if you're watching the game, you did. Connor Wong did it. For the first time all season, a Red Sox catcher had thrown out a base dealer. I think it was 17 for 17. Connor Wong with the rifle from behind home plate. Caught, I think it was a Rosarena at second base. So it can be done when the opposing team tries to steal a base. You can you know, deliver the ball quickly to the plate. The catcher can make a throw to a base, and you can tag the guy out. So it is possible. So... Shane McClanahan, Shane O'Mac started for the Rays, and he was freaking incredible. Uh, five innings, or five plus, they brought him out for the six, which you know the Red Sox don't do ever for anything anymore. Uh, now, he was just punching guys out left and right. You know, the fastball was 98-99. The changeup was unhittable. You know, I was trying to think of a comp for uh, Shane McClanahan, and the best one I came up with is Johan Santana, just a power lefty with just that unhittable change that you know, that, that, that screwball change that breaks away from the right-handed hitters, uh, the slider to get in on, um, to kind of break away from lefties. Um, the difference is he doesn't have the control. He walked four Red Sox in this game. Uh, there was another start early in the year where he walked four guys. So for him to kind of get to close to that Johan level, to be a Cy Young candidate, he has to cut down on the walks, he being McClanahan. Um, that's kind of what got him into trouble a little bit in the sixth was it got the pitch count up. So that's kind of that 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 one missing piece for a Shane McClanahan to be one of the elite pitchers in the game. But the stuff was electric. The Red Sox hitters um, had no chance whatsoever. I thought Garrett Whitlock. So this was Garrett Whitlock's first start of the season. Was uh, this game also? I thought he looked kind of okay at times. Uh, where he got into trouble was leaving the sinker up, and that's why he uh, gave up all those home runs. Um, the fastball command was off, especially on the home runs. And even Red Sox stats uh, tweeted out, uh, quote, can't say I'm a big fan of Whitlock's plan tonight. He used to be a strong ground ball guy. Gave up more air contact last year. And now he's just throwing a ton of sinkers up in the zone. And the Rays have hit five fastballs or five fly balls, five long line drives and two grounders. So to stats point, if Whitlock is going to be a starter and the way this team is constructed, they need him because they don't have any starters close in Pawtucket. You know, where are we going to roll with the Cutter Crawfords of the world and the sales and we're counting on James Paxton and no, any hope in the kind of the, the medium term you need Whitlock to start and be a good starter. And this team is going nowhere. So fuck it, throw him out there. Let, let him sink or swim. 
throw him in the deep end, you know, let him swing. So, but for him to do that, he has to get ground balls. He has to get back to working the bottom of the zone, get quick outs and attack. You know, these hot, you know, he can go up, you know, all right, go upstairs once in a while. Like if you set a guy up with some pitches down the change up down, you want to change the eye level fine. But you're not, you know, Roger Clemens, you know, throwing high fastballs by guys. So that's not going to work for Garrett Whitlock. I don't know if that was just, you know, the control being off. I don't know if that was a shitty game plan, but whatever the hell it was, it can't continue. And I'm not going to you know, panic like some people say, throw him in the bullpen immediately. He can't start. It's his first start of the year. I'll give him a little bit of a break. Um, you know, we saw some good things. And then Wednesday, that lineup Wednesday uh, was a disaster. So for Wednesday, uh, Masataka Yoshida wasn't available. Apparently he has a sore hamstring. Um, so you had a, a you know, a three, four, five of, of Turner, uh, Casas and ref Snyder, which Jesus fucking Christ. Um, so I went into the game, I actually parlayed the Tampa Bay run line and the under, um, and this is of course the game that Bobby Dahlbeck started at shortstop second play of the game, second batter of the game. He boots a routine ground ball. The next pit, next batter sale goes up a three run home run. And so my note for this game was sale exposed by a real lineup. So I did not like, even if the results looked okay, I did not like how Chris sale looked on Friday against the Tigers. And then Wednesday against Tampa, he, he got exposed. He got exposed by a major league lineup. Now the Rays are on fire. They're hitting home runs for fun. A Rosarena, uh, Wander Franco, especially Yandy Diaz, um, Lau, all these guys. They're just, I, I get they're on fire, but, Jesus Christ. I mean, th- this lineup night compared to the Tigers, it's night and day. Chris Sale got exposed badly. He was horrible in his start. Um, his control isn't good. He's, he's, he's throwing too many walks. His command, he's not locating in the zone like he needs to be. And the stuff isn't good. So just across the board, in every way you evaluate a pitcher, Chris Sale is not where he needs to be. So when Sale kind of flirts with, you know, being a D, de- you know, looking okay. It's when he's getting swings and misses off the slider, but he's not locating even the slider consistently enough. Um, that's the one that maybe flashes plus more than anything else, but that's not consistent enough. The heater isn't consistent enough. The control isn't good enough. Um, you know, the, if you want to cherry pick or grasp at straws, you can find a couple things, but not good enough. Like, you know, you gave up the home run in the first. I thought he looked good in the third. And then the fourth inning. So right when I started to think, okay, maybe Sales figures some things out in this game. He, in the fourth, he goes double, single. The the bunt that went back to the mound where Casas was playing first base, charged in. Um, the infielders were double play depth. So Yu Chang was playing second base. He was too far from the first base bag to cover in time. So just a complete debacle. That's on Tristan Casas for not reading the play and covering the bag. Because with that play, where you have first and second and the guy bunts, if it's going to the first baseman and you the first baseman charges in aggressively, in theory, the first baseman can get that ball and then get the lead runner. But where it's going back to the mound, or if it's not something the first baseman can get to right away, he has to cover the bag. So poor fundamental baseball from Tristan Casas. Um, so I knew that there was a lot of runs being scored. To, so to hedge it, I bet over 11 and a half runs to hedge my parlay. So I broke even on the game. Um, you know, the Red Sox, you know, they were down I think six to two in that game. They did make a little bit of a run. Um, Rafael Devers hit a three run homer. They got to within a run, but not good enough. Couldn't close the gap. Couldn't get the lead. And the big takeaway was the Zach Kelly injury where, um, he hit the batter um, and then just immediately just grabbed his elbow. When he walked off the mound, the shoulder, uh, first thing I saw was the shoulder was slumped. So I thought maybe it was a rotator cuff or a separated shoulder. But you know, the, then on second look, you could see he was grabbing that elbow. So Zach Kelly has had Tommy John before. So, you know, for just from his reaction, you could, he had a good idea what it was. We haven't heard officially that it's another UCL or an elbow or something. So we don't know what it is. We just know he's on the IL. They, they termed it elbow inflammation, but Zach Kelly is a guy who was undrafted in 2017, you know, pitched in division two college. 
um, was signed with the A's. They gave him a $500 bonus, which a $500 bonus and a, and a rookie ball salary, you're basically paying to play ba- professional baseball at that point. You know, you're not making enough to afford to eat and live. And, you know, thankfully, the, you know, Major League Baseball and uh, the new minor league union, they're paying these guys a little bit more. But literally, this is where that guy came from. He went from the, kind of the lowest level an American can enter professional baseball. And he worked his way up to the major leagues. Uh, looked good at the end of last year. Looked good in limited action, kind of low leverage situations this year. And then suffers that injury. So awful, awful to see. Hopefully. You know, despite, you know, appearances, it's not that bad, but, you know, it was it was tough to see. So hopefully he turns it around. And in that game, too, you know, Justin Turner and Kike Hernandez had some hits. They kind of spurred a little bit of that late comeback. But still three losses in the first three games. And then there was the game today where they, you know, they, they gave Rafael Devers the day off. So you had no Devers and no Yoshida. So. If the lineup yesterday was embarrassing, like today it was, it was an expansion team lineup. Uh, they still managed to score, you know, three runs. So I, I was shocked by that. Um, so as soon as I saw that lineup, I parlayed the Rays in over seven and a half runs. I didn't think the Red Sox would score a lot of runs, but I thought the the Rays would uh, get to Kluber. Um, you know, S- Jeffrey Springs started for the Rays. So Jeffrey Springs was actually on the Red Sox in 2020. Um, the Red Sox traded failed first base prospect Sam Travis for Springs. And then Springs was kind of lost in the mix of the flotsam that made up that 2020 pitching staff where literally High and Bloom just brought in anybody with a pulse to try to pitch for that team. And they were all god awful. So they did trade Jeffrey Springs at the deadline that year to the Rays. And I remember thinking, wow, they actually got something for this guy. Well, the Rays turned Jeffrey Springs around. Springs looked awesome in this game. The fastball command was impeccable. Uh, he was getting lots of swings and misses on the changeup, and evidently that was the big change he made with the Rays. They got him to throw the changeup and throw the changeup more, where we, when he was with the Red Sox, he was more of just a straight power fastball guy. Um, but he was carving the Red Sox up until he left with it with an injury. Um, the Red Sox did get to up to a 3-1 to one lead. Um, they had two on, two out in uh, the top of the fifth. That's when I caved and I cashed out my parlay and I hedged and I bet the Red Sox on an alternate run line uh, minus two and a half figuring you know if Cassis gets a hit here they're gonna have a three run lead you had an inning out of Kluber you ended up to the bullpen and they'll win and sure enough Cassis flies flied out to end the inning and then Corey Kluber who had pitched pretty well he gave up leadoff home run he settled down after that you know, punched out a lot of guys, you know, throwing his, you know, slop. He looks good second, third, fourth, and then in the fifth, all hell break loose. And this is where our iBluminati friend complained about BABIP. Okay, A of all, the Red Sox in their little rally had their own BABIP block. There was a couple Texas leaguers that just dinked in for the Red Sox. So when the Red Sox get, you know, ball in play, like we don't talk about it, but when it happens to the Rays or the opponents, we cry about Babbitt like bitches. Okay, got it. But here's the thing. When Kluber needed a strikeout to stop the bleeding, to stop the momentum of that rally, he had no answers. They pulled Kluber. He couldn't get out of the fifth. Uh, There was a lefty up. Uh, Cora goes to Richard Blyer. First pitch, Blyer gives up a double. Breaks, Breaks the game open. At that point, the game is over. So the lesson to me is stick to your guns. I basically threw $30 away by cashing out my bet early and hedging and betting on this god-awful Red Sox team. Um, there was a, a, um, a botched bunt um, where the Rays actually bunted with the bases loaded and the Red Sox couldn't get an out. Just absolutely awful uh, today. And that completed the four-game sweep for the Tampa Bay Rays. So... As of right now, the Red Sox are eight games out in the American League East. Eight. We're not even at Patriots Day yet. It is April 13th. Back in the day, the season didn't even start until like middle of April, and there are already eight games out. So this season, you know, it's already looking like a disaster, and this is not entirely dissimilar at all from what I told you would happen. So we'll be right back. Okay, so let's just take a look at the lineup on today, on Thursday, April 13th against the Tampa Bay Rays. So again, 
Masataka Yoshida, sore hamstring, unavailable. Supposedly he's going to play tomorrow. We'll see. Um, Raphael Devers getting the day off. Okay, you want to get the big man off the turf for the fourth game? Okay, in theory, fine. But Jesus Christ, Rome is burning. Like a little bit of urgency. I understand why they did it. Don't love it. So this is what we rolled with to try to avoid a four-game sweep. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention. Not only did the Rays start the season 13-0, and they've beaten the Red Sox 13 games in a row at Tropicana Field. Literally, the Red Sox have lost 13 games in a row at the Trop. Do you know how embarrassing that is? Like, on, a, on some level, losing to the Rays bothers me more than losing to the Yankees, and I'm going to explain why. Losing to the Yankees, that's a worthy rival. That That's a team with honor and tradition. And, and, you know, people that give a fuck. We're losing to a fake franchise with no fans in the worst stadium in America. When that goddamn, you know, fucking air horn every time the Rays take one of our shitbag pitchers deep. That is embarrassing. So that's why losing the Rays really, really fucking pisses me off. Again, it's one thing to lose to a team like with tradition. But then to get humiliated repeatedly 13 times in a row by a team that, in my opinion, shouldn't even fucking exist, it's a joke. So this is what we rolled out there today. Alex Verdugo leading off. So Verdugo's hitting 308. He's looked good and right. So whatever, you know, I think Alex Cora got into his head late last season. I think, you know, being healthy, the offseason program, no complaints with Alex Verdugo. So the thing with Alex Verdugo is he is a free agent after next year. And this team is looking at a long fucking rebuild. I don't, you know, even though, even if Al, even this version of Alex Verdugo, I don't view him as a, like a core piece. You're not building around Alex Verdugo. So if he keeps this up and you can get something for him in trade, I would trade him at the deadline because I certainly anticipate this team selling. And hopefully the new GM is in charge of, of selling at the deadline because, you know, letting High and Bloom try to salvage this thing and get pieces, you know, that's just pissing into the fucking wind. We know Ale- we we know High and Bloom in his track record of trading for minor league talent when selling major league talent. It fucking sucks. Uh, Justin Turner hitting second, so his average up to two fifty five. He had a couple hits today. He's starting to come around. He gives you a decent at bat. He had been awful up until yesterday's game, so maybe Turner's starting to snap out of it. But again, he's thirty eight years old. He has another year on his contract. You know, he's a veteran, good clubhouse guy. If you get anything for him in July, send his ass packing. Justin, love you, mean it. Nothing personal. This team sucks. Having you here is a waste of your time. Third, Rob Refsnyder. So, look, Refsnyder has a role on a good team. He's a fourth outfielder, a guy who hits lefties. But when did Gabe Kapler ever hit third for the Red Sox? That would be never. But he hit third for this trash bag fucking team. Tristan Casas hitting fourth. Casas is hitting 132. So I told you on this show that Casas would need time to adjust to big league pitching. That big league pitchers will attack him. He will not be able to command at bats like he did in the minor leagues, although he did have a 14-pitch walk today. And, you know, he celebrated the walk like he hit a grand slam. But at this stage of his career, at this stage of his development, Asking Tristan Casas to clean up is a fucking joke and a disgrace. Bobby Dahlbeck hitting fifth playing third base. Bobby Dahlbeck, the guy who was, you know, going into the 21 season, I didn't mind letting Dahlbeck play first because, you know, I expected 21 to be a bridge here. Let's see what the kid has. He failed. That's why you shoehorned Kyle Schwarber at first base. You know, they bought into a hot August and they let... um, Dahlbeck played first last year. He was even worse. Didn't you know he had a decent spring, but didn't make the team. You called him up three, you know, three days ago after the Duval injury. Now he's hitting fifth. Fifth. A guy who couldn't make the team. So again, pathetic. Kike Hernandez hitting sixth playing center field. Hitting 114. Had an RBI today, but took another offer. So again, this is a guy who plays a lot of positions. Has the reputation as a good clubhouse guy. You can get anything for him in July. Kike, in your fucking lavender hair, in your mint shoes. Thanks for your contributions in the 21 playoff run. But we suck. See you later. Reese McGuire hitting seventh. 
you know, he he you know he can't throw out of a wet paper bag, but he's somehow he's hitting 391. We're not going to talk about Babbitt Block when we talk about Reese McGuire. No, no, it's just when the Red Sox give up singles, we cry about balls in play and bad luck because we're bitches. Uh, Yu Chang hitting it. You know, I I was rooting for Yu Chang coming out of the World Baseball Classic. Listening him talk about the difficulty playing in America versus playing for Taiwan. Uh, it just looks like watching him hit. It was kind of the concern I had with the Oshita where literally the back gets knocked out of his hands against major league pitching. I just don't think he has the physical strength to, to hold up to major league pitching. Um, I, I think he's a triple a AAA player. I think he's a guy who could go to Japan or the Chinese professional baseball league or Korea, the KBO and do well. I just don't think he has it at the major league level, but this is a guy who the Red Sox traded for. They traded up you know, an 18-year-old kid from the Dominican Summer League. So they give him up. They traded for him. Then they designated him for assignment. And then he bounced around to a few other organizations this offseason. And then when he got DFA'd somewhere else, they brought him back. And he's on this team because he's out of options. Um, but yeah, still no hits on the season for Yu Chang. Uh, he had that bunt attempt in the game the other day where he was bunting for a hit. The third baseman was back. He got thrown out, advanced the run in the ninth inning. But. Not good enough. And then Christian Arroyo hitting 189, batting ninth. You know, he's killed them this year also. He had a hit today. I I don't think he's an everyday player. I think he's a utility guy, uh, a pinch hitter. You know, he doesn't give you the, he doesn't have the best approach at the plate. He swings a lot, but he's a guy you bring in, you know, you need a right-handed bat. You know, he can, he can get the bat to the ball, put the ball in play, maybe do something. And he has, can be a little streaky. But at the same time, you know, he's a first round pick, but he they, you got him off waivers from the Giants and he's never been consistently healthy or consistently performed long enough to establish himself as a major league player. He's out there because the Red Sox have nobody else. So, again, this is this was the lineup on Thursday. Verdugo, Turner, Ref Snyder, Casas, Dahlbeck, Kike, Reese McGuire, Yuchang, Christian Arroyo. This is what the Boston Red Sox in April are throwing out there. A big market team worth $4.5 billion. This is the best high and bloom can do. Are you fucking kidding me? Just an absolute joke. Like I texted a friend of mine who plays uh, in the North Shore Baseball League. How many runs this lineup would squirt Cooney Field? So Cooney Field in Beverly, it's right by Hurt Stadium, the football field. They've been playing baseball there for 100 years. Literally, Babe Ruth barnstormed at Cooney Field in 1919. thing with Cooney Field, it's 330 down the lines and 360 to straightaway center. And he said, well, I think this lineup might score two runs. Even though it's shallow to center, the wind blows in off the cove and knocks balls down. So just absolutely pathetic. And again, I mean, you have Devers, who they chose to give a day off today. You know, I guess I, I get at some point you need you want to give him a day off where the four game series on turf and then the four game series coming up, the wraparound for a Patriots day. I would have juggled it around and played him today myself, but that's just me. But, you know, other than that, you have the Adam Duvall injury. I'm not giving anyone credit for the Trevor Story injury because he was injured when they fucking signed him. So just an absolute joke. I don't see this getting better in the short term. And there, there's certainly no long-term core here. So like I've been saying on the show for a long time, as much as I've tried to be positive, and you, you, if you look hard enough, if you squint, you can find things. Like like George Costanza driving without his glasses, you might be able to find things. But this is not a good baseball team. It's not a well-run baseball team. The guy who assembled this roster deserves to be fucking fired. couple things I've read over the last few days that I'll link to in the show notes and I sure encourage all of you to check out. So John Tomasi had a, a column or a post on NBC Sports Boston, and there's just this one line in here talking about where the Red Sox are. Um, let me see if I can find it. Um, the Red Sox hired High and Bloom to recreate some of the Rays magic, but they're getting the Devil Rays, end quote. <laughs> so... For those of you who don't remember the Devil Rays, that's what this franchise was called when they were founded from 97 until 2007. And the entire time they were the Devil Rays, they were the joke of Major League Baseball. Um, 
then 2008, they kind of rebranded it as the Rays, and they kind of and they came out of nowhere to win the American League East, beat the Red Sox in kind of an epic uh, ALCS to go to the World Series in 2008. Um, but yeah, those is a great line from Tomasi breaking down just the failures of roster construction from High and Bloom. And then uh, Pete Abraham in the Globe. So if you have a free Globe pre-age view or you can otherwise get around the paywall, I definitely encourage you to check out this article. Uh, I know Pete Abe can be kind of an asshole on social media, but he does a good job covering the team. Um, and he, the point he makes goes, Bloom insists the best is yet to come, but any clear-headed evaluation would also see the Blue Jays, Orioles, Rays, and Yankees better position for future success. Cause that's the thing, you know, you know, the I Bluminati love to talk about the farm system and good things are coming and what I am is trying to build and blah, blah, blah. Then realize, you know, the Red Sox are hitting a moving target. These other teams aren't just sitting still. And I think they're all, all four of them are better positioned in the short and the medium term than the Red Sox are. What do the Red Sox have going for them? A big, a, a, it's a big market, but it, you know, if Henry is going to spend the money, what the fuck difference does it make? You know how much money they make off beer. Um, so I'll link to that uh, Peter Abe column in the show notes. Also, encourage you to uh, check that out. Uh, a few other kind of bigger picture things around the league I want to talk about. Uh, Andrew Heaney set a, a record, striking out nine batters in a row. He was another off-season target that the Red Sox whiffed on. Um, one of the half a dozen guys the Red Sox were linked to, but uh, wouldn't pay enough, and they signed elsewhere. So instead of Andrew Heaney, we have Corey Kluber. Um, Franchi Cordero, you know, he's still on a tear for the Yankees. Four homers, 11 RBIs, last I checked. I'm not going to blame the Red Sox for this one. I, you know, I think everyone was sick of Franchi. Not, you know, and I feel bad saying that because reportedly everybody loves Franchi, the guy. Um, you know, everyone on the was rooting for him, and you know, hopefully he's figured things out for his sake. But this is just so fucking Yankees. Like they do this all the time. Get a guy off the scrap heap, some nobody, and he catches fire. Uh, last year was Matt Carpenter. There's a million examples. You know, Glenn Allen Hill. Aaron Small. Those are just a couple that popped to my mind. Look them up on baseball reference. So, you know, Sod's Law, we're having a shit year here. So, of course, you know, a guy who uh, was the linchpin of the Benintendi trade, who did nothing with the Red Sox, goes to the Yankees and breaks out. Uh, Xander Bogarts continues his hot start. Uh, he was on um, the uh, Fenway Rundown podcast with, I think, Chris Cotillo, the Mass Live guys. Haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I've seen some clips where he talks about his negotiation. Basically, the Red Sox, you know, they half-assed it. They were never close once they let him get there. Uh, that was kind of my takeaway, but uh, I'm going to try to check that out if I have time uh, tomorrow. Um, and then MLB expansion. That's a story that came out today. Was uh, There's a Salt Lake City group that's you know, wants to bring a team there. So what's going to happen is once the Rays get their stadium situated, I think what's going to happen, even though I don't, from everything you've read over the years, the location of the trop is the problem. It seems like they're going to build next to the trop and kind of make it the ballpark village because every ballpark these days has to be a real estate property development play. So it seems like what the Rays are going to do. Um, and it seems like the, the A's, the, you know, the politicians in Oakland, you know, the, the relationship with the John, with uh, Fisher, the owner has soured. He wants his sweetheart deal for his own ballpark village in Howard terminal. It seems like that's probably not going to happen, or at least happen fast enough. So the A's are probably going to go to Vegas. Once those two kind of, uh, once those two uh, ducks uh, line up, or the once those, once that gets taken care of, then you're going to see Major League Baseball take a hard look at expansion, and you have groups lining up. Uh, there, there's a group in Charlotte, a group in Nashville, uh, San Antonio, and Portland are kind of mentioned. They're probably, in terms of likelihood of getting a team, kind of a tier below. Um, Charlotte, Nashville, you know, Salt Lake, you know, depending on this group, I mean, I think it's the owner of the Jazz. It's probably not as big of a market as Charlotte and Nashville, but one thing with Charlotte and Nashville, you're kind of cutting into the Braves and the Cardinals territories. So that makes it a little complicated. Uh, the other thing is, too, is Salt Lake would almost have to be an American League city because can you imagine like the National League West or, or a division in the National League having Arizona, Colorado, and Salt Lake City? Just imagine pitching in that division. 
dry air altitude, no chance. Um, and I'd love to see Montreal get a team again. Um, you know, when the Expos were good, they were well supported. I just don't know if there's the local ownership group and the drive to um, build a real ballpark up there. I mean, I guess you could use Olympic Stadium for a year or two, that fucking uh, monstrosity. Um, yeah, because even there was a cool moment earlier this week where uh, Pedro Martinez threw out a first pitch at the Rogers Center. Uh, and Vlad Jr. catch it, you know, Pedro being you know, very close friends with Vlad Sr., former teammates on the Expos, and having Pedro go out in his Expos jersey in Canada. That was definitely cool. So if Montreal could get its shit together, that would be a, a great, you know, it would be great to see the Expos come back. You know, it'd be great for us Red Sox fans making road trips up to Montreal to see baseball. That would be fun. Um, but I, I think the Sunbelt cities are kind of leaders in the clubhouse. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for this week. I have one other note has, you know, I just want to wish good luck to, uh, Justin Turner's wife, Courtney Turner. She's running the Boston marathon. So, I mean, these are two, you know, good people, good humans. I mean, you know, Turner's been on this team for two weeks and, you know, already kind of, you know, him and his family, you know, be trying to become a part of the community. So she's running the marathon. Good luck to her. Also, Brock Holt is running the marathon for the Jimmy fund. Good luck to Brock. Uh, can we give him a glove after the game? Cause I trust him in the middle infield more than anybody on this goddamn roster. And that's not even a joke. This is a guy who's playing professional baseball spring of 2022. So you think I'm kidding? I'm not. So that's going to wrap up episode 17 of the Fenway on fire podcast. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to like rate and subscribe on the podcast application, the pod catcher of your choice. Please share the Fenway on Fire podcast with anyone you know who likes the Red Sox, likes baseball, likes bad imitations, likes ranting and raving. They might enjoy this show. Uh, to support the show, obviously, you can share. You can also give a monthly donation uh, as low as $0.99 cents per month, $4.99 or $9.99 per month to uh, help uh, support some of the uh, production and research costs putting together the show every Donation is appreciated if you are in a position to do so. There's also the Fenway on Fire voicemail line. I gave you plenty of material to react to this week. I was angry this week. I didn't even plan on being this angry this week. You know, all right. I, I guess, you know, part of my, you know, shtick is, you know, the ranting and the raving and whatever. But might have been a little overboard. Came in a little hot. Wasn't my plan. Like, I don't want to be a complete raving lunatic on the show. Um Maybe I crossed the line. Maybe it didn't. Um, but yeah, so plenty to react to on the voicemail link. So just click the link in the show description. Send in your voice message. I'll play it on the show. You can ask me a question. You can, you can react to my ranting and raving. Do whatever you want there. Thank you very much for listening. And I will see you next week. So we do a show every two series. So we will see you middle of next week. Take care.